decide to censor it, that's fine. You're the editor. You can cut out all the stuff you might be ashamed of. Oh, I'm sorry, miss. Oh, remove that. Remove those things. <laughs> Don't ever suggest I've ever been drunk in my life. How dare you? This is a podcast about journalism, not about crime and comedy and too much alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um... Should we do the intro? I think we should. How far in are we? We are... Uh, one hour, twenty minutes in. What the fuck happened? <laughs> <sighs> welcome to Crime by the Bar. Welcome, one welcome all. Yeah. Um, I'm Anna. And I'm Jonathan. And... Yeah, it's time for a new episode this lovely Tuesday. It is time for a new episode. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Is it a happy Tuesday? Typically, Tuesdays are pretty uneventful for me. It's like we're one day after Monday. Monday is usually pretty, like, overwhelming. Wednesday is my happy day. I mean, if we take out Friday. So only one day until potential happy day. People don't like Wednesdays. What? Why not? I don't know, because it's hump day. I know. Not uh, hump I, like banging. I, I no, always no, thought I, hump day was I that. Know. Hump day could have been such a more brilliant thing. Yeah. But um, no, uh, like Wednesdays to me is always, for some reason, this is just cultural, mm -hmm. but it was always referred to as like Tiny Saturday. Oh, that's um, beautiful. Which is cute. I was born on a Wednesday, so yeah. There you go. Uh, I have no clue what weekday I was born in. But... Why do you not know that? I don't know. Didn't seem relevant for my future endeavors. <laughs> um, happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Tuesday for episode six. Yeah. We are going to talk about crime. We're going to make a drink and drink it. To, to all of our wonderful listeners, we adore you. You're amazing. If you feel the same way about us, please leave us a... Uh, a review or a rating even if you just you hit those happy five stars we will be very very happy with you um we have a bit of a competition going on right now to uh get more reviews and ratings showing up in different countries mm -hmm. and we refresh them all over the show so do it we always ask this at the end of the episodes and you never do it <laughs> yeah that's true we'll front load it and uh, you'll hear this before we scare you off and hopefully you'll give us a rating yeah. And we will cheer you, and whenever we see that we get enough, we will be ecstatic. And uh... I'll tell you what, here's what I propose. If you leave a review before the end of March, you can put a shout-out in there and we will read it on the show. Yeah, sure. Why not? If it's, if it's like a one-star review, we might go back on this. But, you know... But to be fair, as long as it's honest... Yeah, no, no, I'm fine with you leaving a one-star review if it's honest. Um, don't do it to be a troll. But I don't know that I want to give you a platform. <laughs> um, uh, fair enough. But, but I mean, if it's If you, you leave know, a five-star No, 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 no. Leave, leave your one-star review. We will review it in private. Weep, drink a lot, fix everything that we can. If you leave a five-star review, then you can get a shout-out on the show. Mmm, fancy. Um... <laughs> But yeah, do that. And also, we have a big push. So we're now up to, well, this is our 11th audio drop. Mm -hmm. So um, 
if you like what you hear, share with someone else who you think would like it. Yeah. I mean, we want to reach the uh, right people. Okay, let's get on to this week's crime. So... Yes, we have crimes. We have crimes this week. Ah, and I think this... This is weird, a first thing that ever yes. happened. A, a first time moment. Mm-hmm. So, four, five, six hours before we get down to record, I get a ping to say, Oh, what, what country is yours from? Japan. <laughs> and you? And what about the... Like, how did that go? I, you just wrote Japan and I just went, no. <laughs> I did the exact same thing on the other side because it was like, what are the chances? But also the crime is like one of those ones. It's like, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It stands out. And, yeah, it uh, does stand out. Yeah. It's it's kind of, you think you know where it's going and then it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> so in case you haven't gathered, then it's, oh, so what year and I tie 1999 was that it yeah I think it was I think 99 I, didn't I ask if it was 1999 and then you just replied the name of the person no I because I, I said a year and plane question mark and oh, then you're right, like right true true and, and then and then I and then you said did you read my notes and I'm like <laughs> no this this is my notes and then I replied with the name of the person I was like ah. Oh. You gotta be kidding. I can't believe we picked the same one. And it's like transport. Pick any transport related crime. Mm. Like, go for it. Great train robbery. Uh, okay, no. Apparently, we both picked the same incident in flying from Tokyo Airport in 99. I mean, it was bound to happen sooner or later, but uh, I would this, not have picked this, this one to be the one either. Um, so, have you ever done a murder mystery? Oh, oh, like... Um, Where you're all given characters. Uh, no, well, uh, kind of. Uh, no, no, not in that way. Uh, I've skirted close to that in other directions, but uh, not a pure one, no. So, I've done numerous, but my first one mm-hmm. was at the tender age of about six. Um, what? When my mum... This all makes so much sense now. Yeah, around. yeah, it's all the stars aligned. <laughs> my mother hit herself in the head with a biscuit tin and pretended to be dead. My brother freaked out, <laughs> thought she might be dead, was trying to shake her awake. She's still pretending to be dead. It's my brother's birthday. He's surrounded by his friends who are watching him cry over my mum's potentially dead body. <laughs> she was not dead. She was trying to set the scene for the murder mystery that she wrote for all of us kids. And um, and really, I feel like my brother was somewhat humiliated. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, basically... I, I have to ask, what was the actual mystery if she was in plain sight and getting hit in the head with a biscuit tin? See, I, I don't think she thought this through because we were all kids. None of us had experienced a murder mystery and <laughs> we didn't realise you're supposed to have a dead person to, like, kick off the whole yeah. thing. So it was just bizarre. Mum went into the kitchen bit. She hit her head on a biscuit tin, like, literally took the lid off, smacked it against something, and then dramatically fell to the floor. (laughs) And so I'm going the whole time, she's not dead, she's fine. My brother is, like, tears welling up, like, straddling her torso and, like, shaking (laughs) her limp shoulders, going, Mom! Mom! And and my mom... your mom for committing to the bit, though. Yeah, she was like, oh, he really cared, and you didn't care, and I'm like, you weren't dead. (laughs) Um... But it was his birthday and he's surrounded by his friends, so it was a bit sad. Um, but... <laughs> oh, oh. 
Um, my mum wrote a murder mystery for about six or seven kids. Maybe it wasn't that many. To me, it was six or seven kids. Mm-hmm. My brother and the friends would have been about seven. And we got our first murder mystery cards, which gave us all a character mm-hmm. and, um, and a backstory and a motive and an alibi and a getaway vehicle. <laughs> and... And I still remember a lot about this murder mystery. And it's really funny because now I'm a massive F1 fan. But at the time, I, I, you know, I'm six. No one in my family watches F1. No one cares. My character in it was either an F1 driver or the girlfriend of an F1 driver because everything had to be written for two genders. And the last oh. time we had a female F1 driver was in the 60s. So... Um. Yeah, I know, it's sad, but it is what it is. Um, all the other ones, like, you could have been a mad scientist, you could have been a whatever. They were all pretty gender neutral, but apparently F1 is too much of a stretch for women. Um, come on, Susie Wolf. Oh, and, and Claire Williams, you are amazing. And oh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So I was girlfriend of an F1 driver, but yeah, it was good. It was really good. Anyway, yeah. yeah. No, but I had a bit of fun with that. Uh, but no, then I landed on um, the uh, 1999 one. I, so I then manically started trying to find a replacement crime because hmm. I didn't have one. Um, but anyway, the crime, the crime this week. So the crime I ended up settling on is... I feel like it's worse than the crime that you've ended up settling on. You are going to be in the best position to judge this, to be fair. I, I, um, I feel like when we tell these stories, sometimes um, a really depressing one can turn out to be a real upper, and sometimes one that seems not not as terrible on a scale of uh, awful to ridiculously <laughs> awful. Um, yeah, I don't know. Some, sometimes it's all messed up. So, yeah, well, this week I can fairly confidently say mine is going to be worse. All right, then because, you're going first. Yeah, I also, I'm wondering how much you're going to tell me about yours that I don't know already. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. To be fair, you are definitely the more experienced and adept researcher of the two of us, so I think you might need to fill in some gaps, but we'll see how it goes. I feel like I could have done a better job on that one. Like, I... (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. But to anyone listening, if you are in Slovakia or in the Czech Republic and you're listening to this going, wow, she is making a mess of this, then I'm sorry, I have only had this afternoon to research it because someone stole my crime. (laughs) But yeah, this is one of the most well-known crimes ever between Czech Republic and Slovakia. Slovakia. And I will just launch in. Go for it. So on the 2nd of September 1933, a couple of uncomfortable discoveries were made. There was a railway employee checking an empty carriage on a train in Bratislava, which is now the capital of Slovakia. Mm-hmm. So he was going down the train at, at the final station and uh, it was about... 9.15 in the morning, and he found a large brown suitcase. It was tied with belt and a cord, and he took the suitcase to the office because there's no passengers around. If you're listening to this and you don't like gore, I really recommend you go off and listen to something really nice. Hidden Brain is really 
it's a really lovely podcast if you're into like no actually hidden brain has some creepy shit as well go listen to go listen to no such thing as fish they have good accents they're nice (laughs) they're fun they're upbeat you're gonna enjoy it if you don't like gore don't listen to this because it's gonna get gory so the railway employee brings the suitcase back to the office they open it up inside there is a female torso Mm. yeah yeah oh no there isn't um, I'm sorry. <laughs> there is. They take the suitcase back to the office. They open it, and there is a head and two legs in oh, the that's suitcase. Kind of worse than it turns out. Yep. I'm having some flashbacks to the Gothenburg. Uh, yeah, thing, it gave me that as well, actually. So. Hello, Bratislava. Here is a female head and a couple of legs. And there's newspaper and there's bedsheets and there's all sorts of, like, someone has gone to the effort of packing it. And this made me vividly picture your awful Gothenburg ones. And by 10 o'clock on the same day in Kosice, which is like 300 kilometers or 190 miles east of Bratislava, mm-hmm. um, a separate railway employee finds another pink heavy locked suitcase um, that had just arrived on the train. Because the suitcase is locked, he called the police. This time it's at least the police who open it up and they find a torso. The torso turns out to be related to the the head and legs. Well, I, I mean that is, on the whole, a good thing, I suppose. Yeah, um, it's, it's better being one than two people. It actually gets kind of worse. So, the the origin of each train was Prague. So mm-hmm. they decide to send the the body parts back to Prague, and neither of the train stations where everything is found, neither of them are treated as crime scenes, because locally what? they they're like well. Nothing happened here, so why would you even bother? Like, that seems to be the attitude. So they send the body parts back to Prague for it to be investigated there. But because it's not treated as a crime scene, no one does fingerprints. No one, you know, imagine really all you're doing is posting some some luggage back because that's essentially what happened. No one checked anything. As a result, there's really limited evidence in the case. Yeah. Yeah. So they found the parts on the 2nd of September. The trains both left Prague on the 1st of September. They don't actually get back to Prague until the 6th of September. Oh. Don't really understand how that works, but fine. Yeah, okay, that seems like a lapse in prioritization, if nothing else. Yeah, the the whole thing is, oh dear. Oh dear. First, oh dear. Oh dear. (laughs) Um... The suitcases combined weigh like 70 pounds. Sorry, no. (laughs) The suitcases combined weigh like 70 kilos, which is around 155 pounds. So that's... And this was head, legs, torso. Yeah, I mean, my research on this could have been a lot better. So maybe I've missed some arms somewhere, but... (coughs) I'm sorry if I've missed the arms. Please tell us no, where no, the arms were. I, I'm just. Yeah, no, I. I think so. Um, mm. So, the first suitcase had been found in the luggage rack. The employee had thought maybe they forgot their luggage. Whenever they found um, the bits and pieces in there, obviously it was pretty horrifying. They also found a like a pink 
silky nighty thing. Do you know what that is? Is that a word or is that just a British thing? Nighty. Nightgown. Like a nightgown. Yes. Wow. So they found a guy's pants. They found um, a pink nighty and that had been ripped on the right side. And, mm. and the rest of the, the case was full of newspapers. But the newspapers didn't really say that much. With the Gothenburg one, I feel like the newspapers said enough to make it worthwhile. This <laughs> didn't bit, really. Yeah, yeah the... The second suitcase, the one that was unlocked by police, it was the one wrapped in bedsheets. Again, it was covered in newspapers and they didn't really learn that much from it. The initial examination led police to believe that the woman was less than 25. So Mm -hmm. she had good skin, no wrinkles, and uh, her wisdom teeth hadn't erupted yet and her incisors were still pointy. And on, on the skin mm-hmm. note, though, so I'll assume that the body parts were not particularly, they were relatively fresh, yeah, basically. Yeah, they seemed super fresh. Okay. Um, like, oh, I'm just going to say it. They took pictures of everything that was in those cases. Mm. Then they posed them and they put them on display in the local police station in Prague. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So I, whenever I was getting all freaked out about Google imaging this woman's name, it was because I saw some stuff I could do without seeing. I can get that. At a glance, it's not that it looks gory. It's just when you know what you're looking at, it's pretty horrifying. Hmm. Police in Prague confirmed all the body parts belonged to the same person and they had a, um, a post-mortem done. So between the the skin and the teeth and the, well, non-wrinkly skin, they decided that she was under 25. On her feet, they noticed that uh, the front of her feet were kind of calloused and the back of her feet, like as in the ball of her foot Mm -hmm. was calloused and the heel of her foot was was pretty soft, Mm -hmm. um, which led them to believe uh, she wore high heels, which meant she was a city girl because country girls aren't going to wear high heels because you can't. Then they also found that, you know, generally she was very well taken care of. Her nails were clean and in really good condition. Her hands were smooth. So she she didn't do any physical labor. Like, it's not mm. like she's working with her hands all day. It's not like these blistered, nasty, cut <laughs> builder's hands with grubby nails. There was another strange thing, which was her skin was super pale over her entire body, even though it was only September, so the summer had just passed. Either she was avoiding the sun or she was out at night because she didn't have a tan. And by the 1930s, it was really popular to have a tan. In her stomach, I'm kind of amazed that they looked into all of this stuff. There was a a really good episode of Criminal that that came out a couple of months ago with them... a botanist being interviewed about um, stomach contents. Oh, okay. And they actually, they did look at the woman's stomach contents and they found that she had um, chewed pieces of apple in there, including the peel, so it hadn't been sliced up, it had just been bitten and eaten. Okay. Um, You know, she couldn't have eaten it that long before she died. It's actually, it's pretty easy to add timings to when things were consumed based Mm. on how they break down. If you're talking about... Plants, vegetables, you know, and anything that falls into a plant category, you can tell how long it's been in the stomach for. True. 
During the autopsy, they also discovered traces of gonorrhea that had been recently treated. So they made the assumption that she was a sex worker. Uh. And it kind of tied in with the going out at night thing. Mm -hmm. But they were completely working on assumptions at this point. The other kind of, I, I find it pretty shocking thing was the cause of death was blood loss. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, they essentially concluded from uh, low blood um, presence in her internal organs that, that she sort of slowly bled out. They they did go into it in more detail and it, it looked like she was um, attacked with a meat cleaver or something similar twice oh. in the head. The one thing twice that makes in it... The head. Yes, yes, deep. Um, the one thing that makes it slightly less horrific is the first blow likely would have knocked her unconscious. Hmm. Hopefully she didn't experience what happened next. But yeah, two hits on the head with a meat cleaver. There was also a bruise under her chin where it looked like pressure had been applied, but there were no actual signs of a struggle on the body. Mm -hmm. There was also no blood on the body. The body had been thoroughly washed. Um, there, there's one exception. On on one of her hands, I think her left hand, there were a couple of blood spots, but everywhere else in her body was completely clean. And I didn't realize this, but getting blood off skin without any trace is, is almost impossible, which means you probably have to wash a body several times to do it. Mm -hmm. And they reckon that's what, what this person did. They washed the body multiple times to get the blood off, or they did it immediately after the crime occurred. But if it's left any length of time, it's it's a lot of work to, to get off cleanly. Mm -hmm. So... I'm sorry, I'm a little bit horrified in general with the whole fact that she died from the slow blood loss. Yeah, isn't that horrible? With two major chops in her head. She also had seven stab wounds to one of her breasts, and I think four of them punctured the lung. So, Yet again, and the cause of death was slow bleed out. Yeah, the, the stabs to the, the chest were post-mortem. Oh, what? Yeah, but if you get someone in the jugular, I guess it doesn't take that long to bleed out. Yeah. Like, maybe if, uh, if she bled out from a neck wound, then it wouldn't take that long, but still seven stab wounds in the chest is pretty excessive. Mm -hmm. like, through the breast. Yeah. What else they find? So there was a, a bruise on the jaw, there was a couple drops of blood on one of the hands, no signs of a struggle. Um, there was also no signs of sexual assault or consensual sex either. Hmm. And no blood on her other than these two spots. There were a few other head injuries that, that looked like bludgeoning or uh, slashing, but oh. they all seemed to be to the back of the head. So nothing to the face. Hmm. Typically, whenever a sex worker is murdered, it, 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 it's really hard to solve because typically they meet the perpetrator shortly before their death and mm -hmm. there's, there's no previous connection there. Yeah. The police took it seriously. They put photos on display and they had a lot of tips. They had hundreds of people writing to them with tips. Mm -hmm. They also had a lot of people who were just coming in, gawping at the pictures and yeah, it, it's it's pretty shocking the uh the person it turned out to be so Ottilie Rinska she um she was one of five kids and she was identified by two of her sisters 
Um, so one of her parents did come down to identify the body, but they'd already made enough of positive ID that mm. I don't think the police even asked. Uh, I think it was the mother. They they didn't even ask her to to sort of make the ID officially. Oh, okay. The other slightly haunting thing they found in the autopsy is they found that she inhaled blood. So that that could that could also make a lot of sense with um, a cut to the neck, throat. Ugh. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I automatically go into thinking of the logistics of everything. Yeah, I did the same. Um, it's awful. It it did take some time before she was identified, which helped back up the theory that she was a sex worker. The logic was. If um if she had a regular nine to five, she would have been reported missing already, and uh, and she hadn't yeah. been. Um, like typically, if you're working in an office, you're going to be reported missing after a couple of days, unless you're you know have a history of not showing up to work. True. Um, the photographs actually had everything. They had the suitcases, they had the bed sheets, they had the newspapers, they had everything. So it was eight days later that her uh, sisters identified her as being Otto Lee Rinska, um, the body in the in the cases. So there are a couple of different theories about what happened. We know that the killer used a long, sharp knife as well as some kind of uh, meat cleaver, probably. Um, we know the body was washed. We would assume that it was done in a private residence because how else are you going to deal with that amount yeah. of gore? Um, yeah. And it could well have happened in a bathroom. There was no evidence of a struggle, so either she was snuck up on, she felt comfortable, or it was someone she knew. Mm. But likely it was pretty sudden, and it was probably from behind with the injuries to the back of her head. Okay. To me, the overkill, it's, I mean, it's a frenzied attack. It's either someone who's doing this for pleasure or someone who's doing it for passion. She was only 22. Mm. She had a pretty rough upbringing as well. She came from a, a poor family. She likely moved out when she was 11 or 12. And she'd been living in uh, Prague for less than a year. Oh, okay. Once they had a name, they were able to find out more of a backstory in Ottilie. And they did confirm she was working as a sex worker uh, within Prague. Oh, okay. She didn't get on with the, the other girls. And they they had a bit of a horrible nickname for her. Um, which translates to being village calf. They called her naive. Um, uh. And there are reports of her not actually accepting money, but accepting basically room and board and trying to get men to um, to marry her, essentially. Oh. So she was, she was looking... It read to me like she was looking for a better life. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and she she saw this as a way to maybe possibly get it, gotcha. um, but yeah, the the other sex workers really seemed to have a lot of opinions about her, and and she seemed pretty pretty ostracized. She was also uh, from the Slovak part of the country, so they you know they called her the Slovak um, or the Slovak girl, and mm. uh, and she kind of had that going on as well. So. Yeah, because the combined suitcases were um, were almost 150 pounds, mm-hmm. it was, you know, pretty clear that you would have needed some kind of transportation to bring them to the station. So someone would have had to have a vehicle of some kind or, or take transport to, to load them onto a train, but they were loaded onto separate trains. Mm. Um, I mean, can you imagine driving or dragging 150 pounds worth of stuff 
to a train station. There were also unconfirmed witness reports of the person who dropped them off on the train and uh, nothing was ever confirmed. It was a a dark-haired guy and, you know, it's it's the typical vague description that means absolutely Uh, nothing. Yep, yep. But nothing came of it anyway. They did originally speculate that it was either a surgeon or a butcher or someone in the medical profession because of the way the, uh, the body parts have been cut up. But um, that was later called into question and they thought maybe the police were just jumping to conclusions and, and maybe it was more crude than they'd let out because the whole thing was, was shocking in general. Yeah, I mean, I can see them just going on the uh, instruments and yeah. not necessarily techniques. But. Yeah, some of the reports, the the oldest reports, really do reference it being uh, a skilled dismemberment, if you like. But okay. um, it's considered an open case now, and mm-hmm. they the police don't even accept that it was a skilled dismemberment now. So oh, okay. um, it's, I think we can consider it unreliable, but it's kind of interesting because it caused a little bit of a kerfuffle with... Um, local doctors and people in medicine because like how dare you it's like (laughs) we're not saying you're all dodgy but you know we're blaming you a little bit (laughs) (laughs) someone in your social circle like excuse me really so this was all in um in 1933, but by 1935, there were a couple of suspects. There was one police officer who happened to be on holiday by the end of August, start of September, and whenever he came back, uh, a fellow police officer made a joke about, oh, yeah, we, we found these body parts and all the evidence points to you. And instead of, you know, going, well, you're being a bit strange or laughing it off, he went really over the top started yelling at this guy and oh. um, and saying, you know, you can't do this to me. You need to protect my career. And, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, like, as interrogation techniques go. But it was a joke. It yeah, was a I, joke. I know, I know. But still, I mean, that's not half bad if you get that an obvious reaction. Uh, regardless of if <laughs> he was actually guilty of this one or, I mean, Judging from the sound of it, guilty of something. Yeah, but um, he yeah. did something. Like, yep. and whether it was, um, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, it, it is a little bit over the top. Um, <laughs> he ended up the the police officer guy went to the extent of uh, of getting an alibi and and everything else to like go. I I wasn't there. He turned out to know her. Oh, yeah. So, um, the guy's name is, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing this terribly, so maybe I'll just go by the first name. His first name is Yosef, and um, he'd served with this other investigator guy uh, previously. He ended up saying that he had, even though he knew this girl, he had an alibi and he was with um, another sex worker called Antonia and um, he also said you know I was in this cafe and this waiter will tell you that I was there this was two years later and all these people said yeah yeah he was there on this one night Uh, of course these things stick to memory but I really like if someone said to me some terrible thing happened last Wednesday you know where were you who were you with I don't know I like, would struggle myself yeah. but I, I really wouldn't know I feel so sorry for, for people when they're asked for an alibi and it's like hey this was two years ago like 
what am I supposed to remember here? I'll, I'll remember if something big happened. If it didn't, then... Yeah. So he he got a, a double alibi that covered enough of the night that they seemed satisfied. But it it was later confirmed, and he seemed to change his story, that he had been out with Odile Renska on the night she died, which oh. was the last night of August. Oh. He'd been with uh, the other sex worker who presumably knew Audley as well. And they'd had a few drinks and uh, and then they got in an argument and uh, disappeared off. And she was seen after the argument. Okay. Um, and apparently uh, Yosef went back to the um, his apartment with Antonia, the other sex worker, and, mm. and they had their evening there. And Audelie was seen hanging around, a, I think, a nightclub and peeking in, but no one saw her uh, going into the nightclub. And later on, she was seen with a guy with light hair, so not the same description as whoever dropped off the suitcases. Mm. But, mm. you know, who knows if that means anything. But she was seen with a guy with light hair, drinking something described as nutmeg wine mm. which sounds incredibly interesting i am very piqued i have not tried it i have no idea what it is i might have heard of it but i haven't tried it i don't think i have i well i will find out what it is after this but yeah she she was at a cafe apparently according to the waiter she ordered nutmeg wine and an apple and this would have been around mm. midnight and based yeah. on the stomach contents they reckoned she would have been dead by one or two in the morning if this was correct so she would have died within a couple of hours of eating uh, at at that cafe. Okay. The interesting thing is there were some updates in the case last year. Really? Yeah. From uh, 1933? Yeah, from 1933. Oh, okay. So previously, they, I don't think they'd reported on it. So most of what I'm telling you is um, from local Czech news reports. So mm-hmm. it's... It's difficult to find balance there. And a lot of things, the Google Translate was so bad that I'm Google image searching parts of Czech <laughs> phrases. So, like, the only reason I know that a nighty was in the case is because mm. I searched this part of it. And it's like, oh, there's a bunch of nighty pictures. That's what it is. Um, but, yeah. So in 2017, police announced that they actually had DNA potentially of the killer. Oh. Because grasped in um they must have found the hands then how did they find it okay well they did they were with the torso maybe Mm. they had the hands because grasped in one of the hands was hair Hmm. and it didn't belong to the victim so um they want to dna test it and they have relatives of both of the um the two suspects Mm -hmm. available one of them has already said i don't want you to test the dna and the other one hasn't decided yet, based on the most recent report I could find, which was November last year. I mean, if it were you, would you would you let someone test test your DNA to see if your, I don't know, grandfather had done this horrific crime? Might depend on which relative, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to say probably, probably, yeah. Like, I don't want to obstruct stuff and... Especially if it is someone who is uh, not available themselves. Yeah. Like, I probably would do that. I I, I will put in, though, uh, so yes, they had the hands, and the hands had grasped a bit of hair. Mm-hmm. But after all those stab and slash wounds yeah. and chops, yeah. they had cleaned down the entire body. Everything. 
that there was barely any trace of blood. Yeah. Yet there was hair that she presumably had grasped. Isn't that strange? That but, is weird. But there was and also slightly fishy. Well, yeah, maybe. But um, there was also two blood spots also on one hand. Hmm. So maybe they were just focused on the body. And they just missed the hand which had all the best evidence. I, I don't I don't know if um if the blood spots were in the same hand as the one that had the um mm, fair enough. But yeah. Huh. It could be super fishy, but also it's nineteen thirty three. No one knows what, what hair means. Yeah, true, true. It that's a really good point though. But uh, back to your question. So, yes, a deceased relative. Mm-hmm. And them asking me to test me. Mm, yeah. But can you imagine having the Swedish equivalent or the whatever equivalent of the Charles Manson murders attributed to your family because you let them test your DNA? Would I mean, you change your name. No. <laughs> would prefer to know. You can always change your name. I think I would prefer name, to know but... as well. Um, I think the idea of not knowing is so mm, much worse. Like the Schrodinger's cat thing. No, I, I just, I need to know. Like, oh, okay, I did not expect that analogy. Um, it, did the poison vial break? Did it not? Like. Well, you know the answer until you observe it. It is. I don't, I think it's. Anyway, whatever. Like, fine. Um, but it is kind of both. It it's it's you don't know if he's the Charles Manson of your family or he's not until until you find out. But it is also a pretty awful situation to be in. You haven't done anything. <gasps> Maybe they have done something. Maybe they know. Maybe they're both dodgy guys. They're probably not. Um, but yeah. I mean, with the testing, you have. There are two options. Either you gain clarity and that they were not guilty or you gain clarity that they were guilty. Like, if you're approached with the question, mm-hmm. then your mind will go there. Yeah. And then you will go back and forth and torment yourself. And, you're going to uh, wonder forever. Yeah. And everyone in the family is going to wonder forever. Mm-hmm. Won- wonder. 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 Wonder with your wanderlust. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand why they're saying, no, you can't test my DNA, but mm. come on, do it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. Let us know. Um, and at least if one of them does it, then it might even be enough to, to have a strong suspicion on the other. True, true. That's my train one. Hmm. Yeah, it's not train surfing, but... Um, it's not. It's it is worse. a lot of focus on the, you know, smaller cosmos of the... Uh, suitcases and the body parts but yeah that that was a good train one uh so that's just where we are now i mean they're hoping to get the dna checks yeah so see the, what happens they they only announced the hair thing i think around april may mm-hmm. 2017 um they hope to have some updates by the summer then they had um an update I read from September that said one of them had declined. Mm. One of the relatives had declined the DNA testing option. Yeah. And then I read an update from November that said um, the other suspect's family member was still considering it. Mm. So we will see. Yeah. 
Also, this is me using Google Translate on Czech articles and <laughs> and, and then Google Image Search. So uh, we're not sponsored by Google. Google, if you'd like to sponsor us, please do. But um, Send us a couple of phones, why not? Yeah. Um, otherwise, please use Bing because Bing is an equally... I, your face is saying a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to be I would not say equally, this. but... <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I don't have any more questions on this case. Uh, apart from, of course, like who did it and the the gore. Uh, um, that's not a question. Okay, so the the one thing that I haven't said is, Czech authorities are like ninety percent sure, according to a, a couple of these articles, that the police officer guy Josef mm-hmm. was responsible and that he was in a love triangle with Antonia and Ottilie. Mm-hmm. And and after the argument they had earlier in the night that they decided to get rid of her. Uh-huh. And they speculate that the disposal was... It wasn't planned. It was just them being thorough. Mm. That would also be interesting if it was the two of them together, then the hair sample might not even match the relative because it could be from the woman yeah, who is not listed as being a suspect. She is listed as being an accessory. I think because of the weight of the suitcases. I must say, though, if it actually turns out to be the police guy, I kind of want some kind of medal or recognition for the guy who tried to tell a joke when he got back from vacation, though. That guy didn't do anything with it. Well, he didn't. He actually didn't pursue it. But, I mean, someone must... Did someone overhear the joke and then report It was that, later yeah. mentioned, but it, oh. it it came out years and years later. Um, uh. And and by that stage, no one took it seriously. There was also... Okay, maybe not. I retract my medal. Yeah, no, no, he didn't He didn't go, yo, <laughs> this dude's dodgy. Um, also, there were a whole bunch of letters that were sent to the press taunting them, like Zodiac style. Really? Yeah, and... Oh. Some of them were clearly bullshit, but sorry, maybe not to the press, maybe to the police. Hmm. Translation brain is messing with my head. But yeah, loads and loads of letters um, up to 30 years after the murder happened. Hmm. So it was still happening, I think, in the 60s. Um, Taunting letters coming in. So that was never explained either. Crazy. Mm -hmm. And... I stand by mine was worst, but I'm really excited about yours because I know what it is for the first time ever, which is super exciting. I feel a weird amount of pressure. It's going to be fine. I can pretend I don't know. I'll, I'll do my best surprise no, no. thing. Everyone knows you know, and that is fine. I want to see what you know and what you can, what I can bring and what you can bring. Okay. I am many glasses into this podcast. And by glasses, I mean alone. glasses of bubbly tonight. I'm I'm on. Well, it's, it's not just bubbly; it's bubbly cocktail. Yeah, so I'm having um, passion fruit liqueur with prosecco. Mm. It's pretty good. I had a glass of it earlier, and it's very nice. It levels out to about fourteen percent. Um. Anyway, I have many glasses in. What was that about? Why did I say that? I forgot. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, I remember. <laughs> I have many glasses of prosecco and passion fruit liqueur into this podcast. I didn't do like I mean I did a decent amount of research, but mm-hmm. it's 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 all evaporated at this point. Like 
and and what hasn't evaporated is you know being bubbled away by the prosecco so <laughs> don't worry about it just say it and if if you really mess something up i will chime in and give you all the sass but i really don't think that's going to happen please do please do but no, <laughs> i'm i'm going to tell you a story it might jog your memory or surprise you Ooh, exciting tell me more tell me more so uh to keep it in tradition have you heard of the uh, yuji nishisawa i have not funnily yes, enough have. i imagine if i see this name written down i would say yes i have <laughs> but uh, as you say it no i have not heard of this person my biggest fear about me doing this crime was i was gonna make a total mess of all the pronunciation and you've just completely confirmed it in one question so to be fair i'm also pretty far gone into the wine and even at that stage i realized that i was slurring with his name but i will get back to the name it will be repeated yuji nishisawa was uh 28 years old and uh, unemployed yeah. in japan which is not a great place to be unemployed I mean, they've good benefits, but really it's the social the benefits, stigma. stigma. Oh, a lot of stigma. This is true. Yeah. This is true. I have you seen the? Uh, you know what Legoland is? Yes. Okay. In Japan, they have this <laughs> kids version. Well, not that Legoland is made for grown-ups, but they it have kind of is though. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, they have this Japanese equivalent of it that teaches kids how to do certain jobs so they have hmm. like fake firemen they have fake vets and they actually have like animals in there and they get to listen to heartbeats and all that kind of stuff they have fake fast food workers um like all sorts of things so they have like um simulated fires and then you're you're dispatched from the fire center and they work in shifts so you can like be in this play area i think two or three shifts a day okay. um and working at the job within this play area it it is like an indoor theme park it's like it reminds hmm. me of legoland um you you earn credits by working your job in the simulation <laughs> world thing so right i'm working as a um as a vet for the day okay you you've done two hours you've done four because you don't have to do a full shift there mm-hmm. um so you do two hours as a vet and you get 20 credits and then you go to the fad fast food place and another kid who is getting their credits by working the fast food place makes you a burger they actually have an entire ecosystem yes how cool is that, that? Is isn't that incredible can you imagine if they had that here like can you imagine if they had that when you were growing up like wow yeah. like but also there there's no there's no guy that's unemployed <laughs> in the side of the road going yeah can you hook me up with whatever <laughs> like there, there's no artist in the corner going, I'm, I'm just going to sell my paintings for the day. Do you want to give me a credit for this painting? It's like, no. <laughs> Maybe they should. Maybe the kids are missing something. That would um, be interesting. But, so, yeah. Anyway, do you want to begin your story? Oh, I thought I had. Had you? Uh, well, I mentioned the name. Oh. Um. <laughs> do you think I'm disruptive tonight? Nonsense. Never. <laughs> so we have... Yuji Nishizawa, who, uh, he was kind of a fan of airplanes, 
in general. Mm. Uh, transportation, as our theme is. And he kind of not figured out. It was not a big mystery, but he realized that there was a major security flaw with uh, most of the uh, airports uh, in Japan. Yeah. Where, like, if you had gone through a flight, mm-hmm. it was possible to just go from, you could go through a flight, land, then go to the luggage claim, and then it was technically possible just to sneak back in or just, like, walk completely normally back towards the departure gates from the luggage claim area. Okay. Which can cause some issues. You would imagine so. Yeah. You could bring in that. 500 mil bottle of water exactly like goodness they would not be able to stop you i'm bringing in my massive thing of dry shampoo i'm mm-hmm. bringing in my bottle of gin that's not even a sealed duty free bag i know it's it's chaos everything so he had figured this out and he had sent letters to um uh, both the transportation ministry and several airlines as well saying that okay this is a security flaw should probably be fixed so at this point i'm like this guy's pretty reasonable he has found this bullshit way to screw with the system and hey i don't want some arsehole doing something stupid bringing a gun onto the plane Mm -hmm. and messing with stuff exactly and he writes to the appropriate authorities i'm on board dude i'm on your side everything is looking good so far Mm -hmm. i mean uh, like this was a very good response, both writing to the uh, actual authorities and to the companies, the airlines themselves. Yeah, he did everything um, he could, reasonably. I would have thought so up to this point. To this point. But, yeah, that's the thing. Like, Dear It's listeners. not entirely clear. I kind of interpret it as he didn't get like any kind of reply, but he definitely didn't get the reply he wanted. So, uh, after he sent these letters, like, hmm... I, right now I'm going to fast forward a bit because this, um, like you said, he was, this is kind of a stand-up thing to do to report this and send emails. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fast is forward. Is it standard? Usually whenever I find like bullshit things, I'm just like, Stand-up. Sorry. Oh, yeah, like, sorry. A stand-up, stand-up thing to do. But I'm fast forwarding a bit because later there has been some conflicting statements regarding this. Oh, really? Because from various officials concerned with the uh, airline security and shit like that. Some of them acknowledged this and said that once they got the information, they started looking into improving these flaws. Yeah. Others appear to not know about this at all, but I'm not sure. I couldn't get clarity on what level of either the transportation ministry or the airport thingies were actually affected. Uh, but it is widely accepted that he did at least send the letters to at least the transportation ministry and the airlines, possibly to the press, but I couldn't really confirm that. Uh-huh. But uh, a month after he sent these uh, letters, Nishisawa booked several tickets for various national flights mm-hmm. with uh, different airlines as well. And he first boarded a round-trip flight to Osaka and checked in a bag as a checked-in luggage, which contained a 20-centimeter long, I think that's about 8 inches, um, kitchen knife. So he checked that in. He went on the plane 
uh, went back and forth uh, Osaka to Tokyo. And then once he landed in Tokyo, he went to the uh, luggage claim. He grabbed the bike he had checked in and immediately went back to the departure gates and checked in for the All Nippon Airways Flight 61. A question. Mm. Did he... Did he actually have, like, two lots of carry-on luggage? As I understand it, he had no carry-on luggage, no uh, handbags or anything. He just checked in the main bag for the security uh, check. Uh And then he flew back and forth and then picked up his bag. Then used it as hand luggage on the this flight, the uh, Flight 61. Mm. He used that as uh, hand luggage. Uh, including the big knife Um, the big knife it's a decent size for a knife yeah it's bigger than i would want near me on a plane kind of yeah so this uh this flight was headed towards an airport uh a bit outside of uh, sapporo i think Mm -hmm. and yeah he got his uh carry-on luggage with the knife and about 25 minutes uh up in the air uh, Nishizawa got out his knife and forced and threatened his way into the cockpit of the flight. And at this point, it's like, dude's proving a point. Like, not the coolest way to prove a point. Like, everyone's going to be freaked out and traumatized. But he's proving a point, right? He's not going to do anything. You're That's... not going to do anything. You wrote all these letters to the airlines to say, hey, I can I can access all the crap that's in my... Uh, Hold luggage. Yeah. Don't let people do that because people are bad. That's what I would be hoping. But he forces his way into the cockpit and he managed to get the, the uh, co-pilot to leave. He scares him off. Mm-hmm. And then he was threatening the captain who was uh, Naoyuki Nagashima, uh, 51 years old. So the reports are a bit different at this point, but Nagashima, the captain, managed to uh, call in the hijacking through, like, alert the uh, whomever was on the radio or whatever. Yeah. And uh, as it started, this this is why we know 25 minutes in. Mm-hmm. And after this, uh, my perspective is it appears that Nishizawa tried to get the pilot to either follow his commands or uh, get out of um, get out of the cockpit and leave his seat basically and hand over the controls the pilot did not agree to any of this mm-hmm. and in the end as he refused Nishizawa stabbed him repeatedly in the neck and shoulder whoa that somehow that's worse than the chest kind of somehow that's worse yeah so after stabbing him, uh, Nishizawa attempted to pilot the plane, mm-hmm. uh, and he got control. It is a bit fuzzy on the timeline exactly when this happened, but it's very clear that at one point he went down really low with the plane, down to approximately 300 meters, yeah. uh, 980 feet for the people across the pond. Um, and like almost, I think it was... Almost half an hour after he made it into the cockpit, that is, after the captain uh, called it in, the crew managed to actually overpower him 
and the co-pilot got in again. Uh, he reported that the uh, captain had been stabbed, but they were in control again. They uh, did a round tour and uh, managed to land the plane in Tokyo again. Wow. No passengers were hurt. Uh, wow. It was just the captain. And Nishizawa was arrested. Good. Well, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. It's probably as close He'd as we can get He'd be the first person here. to complain if he wasn't arrested. So. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> fair point. But yeah, so like that was his I, little adventure in the air. But I find it insane that this happened in '99. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about the security measures in place in 2001 when 9/11 happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that they were crazy strict, but you got all your shit checked. And I remember after 9/11 traveling and and having the whole cream and gel and hundred mil thing yeah. in place and. And it just seemed absolutely ridiculous. And you're going through security and you're kind of having a bit of a chuckle with the person behind you in the queue who's mm-hmm. like, oh, they're just going to keep all that makeup they just confiscated off you or whatever. <laughs> um, and also there was so much stuff, of course, you could get on the other side of security. Like you just walk yeah. into the beauty store or whatever and, and you buy all the same cosmetics back again. And mm. this happened in 99. Someone got a knife on a plane. Mm-hmm. So, we had a murder. We do actually have a murder now that he's... um, So, Nishizawa, uh, after this ordeal, he was arrested. There are some slightly weird and worrying quotes here during the investigation and proceedings. Uh, So, uh, Nishizawa confessed to be an avid uh, fan of uh, flight simulation games. I read this whenever I was researching Mm. it. And... He said during the trial later that he actually was planning on, I'm not sure if it was just planning after he got control of the craft or since before, but he was planning on flying the plane under the Tokyo Rainbow Bridge. I read that as well. Like, really, dude? Do you you think it's a piece of piss? Like, I get that you did flight sim, but come on. Yeah, that's a plan, I guess. Um, is it a ridiculous suggestion? Well, I mean, flying under any bridge is already, but you're no. hijacking a plane, you're not officially trained, and that's probably not good. Yeah, but he did fly sim. Yeah, true, true. I, I shan't protest. <laughs> um, you're, yeah, okay, that, that wasn't where I hoped this would go. But I, I, I don't need to protest because a lot of people have. Um, there was uh, a lot of debate, it, it wasn't that long a trial, but. Um, there were a lot of back and forth on the uh, judgment and um, basically how he should be prosecuted. Yeah, um, I mean, I assume they have an equivalent of um, guilty but insane or mm. um, not n- n- not competent to not mentally competent to stand trial or something like that. Yeah, uh, and just the circumstances here would be uh, kind of enough to justify at least discussing that. Yeah, um, but uh, no, the. Um, the defense attorneys, um, they, they were arguing that he was not fit to, um, well, that, that he had issues. At one point, they argued that he had done all this as a desire for suicide, depression, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, as in context, there was 
uh, a lot on the line though because Japan uh, does have the uh, death penalty and under Japanese law hijacking which results in any kind of fatality carries in like the maximum sentence can be the death penalty which seems fair enough yeah so i mean if we're gonna go down that route then it's a pretty bad one kind of with uh, so many passengers and all that and, and just you know risk gravity everything. you're in the sky yeah <laughs> but no the uh, the prosecution was arguing very hard for the death penalty they uh, did say that this was all so premeditated and uh, part of his objectives to basically get on there, kill the pilot, and take control of the plane, mm-hmm. because he had, like, yeah, he had mentioned that he basically wanted to joyride the plane, and I think he must have, if that was in his planning, he must have kind of uh, prepared for the captain saying no, because I think that's a reasonable, yeah, response. When... No, you you can't have a go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't he just go to a flying school? Go to a flying school and... I don't know. You know, even if you're hijacking it there, they'll probably, like, they're probably used to people like you going, but I really want to have a go. I just don't have the money for the lessons. Like, Mm. okay, you've gotten this far. You can take it around once and then we land. Yeah, but then, like, going back to the entire thing where he actually reported the security issues... He just wanted to prove a point. Yeah, either proving a point or... Like there was some article that said that um, he he did want to use that basically as leverage to get hired by an airport. But, <laughs> uh, I could, I couldn't confirm that, so I'm not sure if that's inference. But hmm. um, finally, towards the end of the um, trial, there was a, um, a second evaluation carried out on just well, basically uh, reevaluating Nishizawa as uh, not as a human being, but you know in conjunction with uh, this event because the prosecution pushed for it and they did verify that Nishizawa had been under quote, significant influence of uh, antidepressant drugs and was definitely in a state of diminished capability at the time of the crime. Do you know what antidepressants he was on? I do not. They did not say. I tried to check the papers, but no. Unless it was um, like undiagnosed uh, bipolar or something like that where you really should have been on lithium or something completely different but they didn't there's no updates on it I guess no there's not and uh, I I'm not entirely sure they were pushing a lot of angles basically to try to mitigate his sentence um, so yeah the uh, the defense tried to pull up all manner of things I think one of the first uh, tactics they brought up was uh, kind of ludicrous just uh, mentioning that apparently he either he had been diagnosed with uh, Asperger's or he was like there was enough to suspect that he was on the spectrum and they tried to push that uh, as a um, uh, proving his as a reason limited mental state I guess fuck uh, yeah so journalists are assholes <laughs> Well, I mean, no, 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 this was the defense. This was the defense. Oh, so we already, like, everyone already hates lawyers. So, uh, wow. That's really, really crappy. I mean, you don't need, uh, I don't know, find something a little bit more compelling or believable Mm. or let's not. um, And they did succeed in the end. He was not sentenced to death. He was, um, he got life in prison. the uh, verdict was passed on the 23rd of March 2005. That's really recent. How, why did it take so long to to get a 
verdict? I'm guessing it was the whole um, evaluating if uh, he had enough mental issues or not. That also made it a bit back and forth for the press as well due to uh, them not being able to report on en- on everything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just assuming there was a lot of uh, attempt from the uh, defense to keep him off death row basically yeah yeah since they did reduce the sentence to life in prison he's still in prison and does not appear to be any changes coming for that so that's something mm. do you remember we said if he'd gone to legoland maybe this would have never happened i remember a long discussion about legoland but not that did you know there's a legoland in japan um I think you messaged that to me. At I some did point. because after we fell after we after I fell asleep recording this, I woke up, opened my work laptop, and there was a map between how to get from the airport all this happened at oh, yes. to Legoland in Japan. It's like yes. three hundred and fifty kilometers away. <laughs> so all this could have been fixed, maybe, probably. Legoland wins everything. Mm. We are not sponsored by Legoland, but we would love to be sponsored by Legoland. And you can send us free Lego or Legos if you want us to cater to our North American people. Oh, yeah. Do they have murder Legos or crime Legos? I crime don't know. Le- they must they have do like have bank robbers ones. or something. Yeah. 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 They also yeah. have the Star Wars ones. People die in Star Wars. Yeah, there's a lot of death there. Lego Technic is badass. Okay. Yeah. Um,. And that was my crime. That was your crime. The end. Why do I keep saying the end? Um, (laughs) I do kind of love it, though. It goes (laughs) uh, hand in hand with, like, we're both fans of, you know, the storytelling and the story aspect. And you very often tell me your story, then the end. Mm. We don't need the happily ever after. Okay. Well... I I have no further questions. I feel like I interrupted you consistently throughout your storytelling this week. Oh, I feel you missed an excellent opportunity to um, uh, call me your honor that time, but yeah, fair enough. Oh, I'm It'll sorry. It might. We can. We'll just have to plan it meticulously. And by we, I mean me and Kauf. Um, but Kauf and I, sorry, she's disappeared. I have no idea where she's gone. She's fed up with us. She is a pillow. Is she? Yeah, I mean, she was, oh very yeah. nice good good job darling um <laughs> so for our drink this week i initially was going to be lazy then i spent a long time trying to be creative mm. and then i went back to my original idea so we're having something simple that travels well that you can get pretty much uh anywhere um gin and tonic ah the classic uh, yes exactly because yeah, there's not many cocktails you can make in an airplane, and I don't mm. consider a Bloody Mary to be a proper cocktail unless there's actual exciting stuff in it, like celery or bacon or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, you need the bacon grease and fries. <laughs> you can't just do vodka and tomato juice. That's too depressing. That's not a Bloody Mary, though. No, it? it's not, but then they do that on planes sometimes. Really? They're like, oh, Bloody Mary. I'm like, that's not uh, a Bloody Mary. No. Don't patronize me. This is not good. Right. I should get you a drink and then we can continue this. Let's make our drinks. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, our drink this evening is. Yes, tell me, tell me. Um, it is a simple gin tea, but we are using my favorite gin and my favorite tonic water. 
Um, so we're using a German gin, actually, called yeah. Monkey. Yeah. Um, I think it's from the Black Forest. It was pretty unknown a few years ago, but it's getting more and more mainstream. But yeah, it is called Monkey 47. Very good name. Um, and I think because it uses 47 botanicals and I think because there's monkey in the name of the forest. Okay, it's 47%. That's why it's called. Oh, no, it does have 47 different vegetables. Hey. Okay. I have no idea why it's called monkey. Monkey's a good name. I don't know. Anyway, uh, it's nice. It's peppery. It's a bit citrusy. It's mm. a little bit juniper-y, but not super. Um, it's quite dry. And I think delicious. Plus, the bottle is, like, super nice. It's like a an apothecary bottle with a yeah. postage stamp on it and, like, a nice really cool. real cork. <laughs> I think it's so nice. And it always puts the batch number and the manufacture date on the back. So that's, I think, the oldest bottle I had. I should have a brand new one in there, oh. unopened. Anyway, so Monkey 47 Gin, uh, some lime juice, a slice of lime, and topped up with Fever Tree Elderflower Tonic. Oh, which is do you Do you use Fever Tree at all? No. It's amazing. I really don't use tonic in general on my own. I They also do ginger beer, which oh. is excellent. They, they do mm-hmm. all sorts of wonderful mixers. Again, we are not sponsored by them, but <laughs> if you can make that happen, I will be so happy. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, genuinely love their stuff. Anyway, cheers. Cheers. It's good. I would say that. You're not a gin drinker. No, no, I I can enjoy a gin and tonic, especially after moving here. Mm. Uh, It's hard to survive if not, but yeah. Lime and elderflower are both very um, big favorites of mine, and this goes very well. It's quite summery, considering the weather. Mm. Like... The canals were actually frozen this weekend. Yeah. There was skating. I was skating. <laughs> it was amazing. People chucked logs over bits in the ice that had started to crack and had holes so you would know to skate around it. <laughs> Which was like... So this was the first time in six years, I think, right? Yeah, I think uh, the last time it froze was the year before I moved here. Hmm. It's been a good couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's good. Um, I, I'm really liking this though. The um, I think I've actually tried this gin at some point mm-hmm. before, but I was probably not in a position to actually appreciate it. So sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm not sure if I'm just imagining and projecting after your gorgeous intro. Um, but I kind of feel a bit of pepper almost. Yeah. Um, so it's which said... is one of my favorite things in a gin and tonic as well. There are actually 47 herbal ingredients in it. So Mm. juniper, spruce shoots, uh, locust Mm. flowers, rose hips. I'll I'll do uh, a highlights reel. Rose hips, really? Yeah. Um, There's clove, cardamom, allspice, licorice, lemon, lemon peel, kefir, lime, marshmallow. Like the root, I assume, not like... Is marshmallow root? I've never heard this. Yeah. It has all sorts of mad health properties. (laughs) I have no idea if it's legit or, or bullshit, but yeah, their marshmallow has all sorts of crazy health properties. Oh. Um, I, I don't remember anything specific about it. Um, there's jasmine in it. There's chamomile. There's sage. I don't really like sage, to be honest. Yeah. Too much sage butter as a kid. Um, 
We have our Irish special coming up next week. Oh yeah, like a build-up for uh, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, mm. because last year I was so unwell I couldn't even drink anything. So this yeah. year I'm going double the fun. <laughs> and it's it's going to be good. It's going to be a whole week of prep, eating all sorts of Irish things, being very happy, wearing green every day. People don't wear green back home. I mean, I, I do. Imagine. Yeah, but meh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see what happens. Ooh. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Tomorrow, uh, sorry, I was trying to work out the week. Tomorrow <laughs> is Wednesday. Today's Tuesday. And on Friday, you'll get another Minnesota mystery from us. Yeah. Uh, which we hope you'll tune in and listen to. Our, um, yeah, we're doing a bit of a transport theme this week. Ooh. So today we have you on the plane, me on the train. Mm. can't remember now. Oh, yeah, that's what I did. Um, <laughs> I'm going to sound crazy. Um, <clears throat> so full disclosure, I fell asleep when we were recording our um, stories. So then we had to stop and re-record a different day. Um, to run things like notice minor changes in audio quality for the better for the last bit but yeah Yeah. (laughs) we'll see this may be cut out um (laughs) yeah it's only the second time i've fallen asleep in six episodes so you know well i mean it could be worse it's pretty bad um (laughs) like a (laughs) two-thirds awake rate is not the best no but i mean we have been pushing it in some nights and we did record for four hours before you fell asleep, so... Yeah, which brings up a whole other set of issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all of them good and beneficial for the arts, I'm yeah, sure. We do all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we're doing roadside crime next week. Mm-hmm. No, sorry, we're doing roadside crime on Friday. Yeah, Friday. I I quite like mine in the sense of... Whenever I first read about it, I read a couple of lines and went, ooh. <laughs> and then the more I looked into it, the more it's it's likely that you could explain it. But I don't know. It's it's just strange. Are I'm you... going to grasp onto your ooh and hold on for dear life. Yeah. Thank you. Hmm. That's nice. What are you doing? Do you not want to tell me? Mm, I'm not going to say that much. It was kind of weird because this is, I think, the first crime where I just read an update, like, a lot of years after the crime. Mm-hmm. Read an update about it, got interested, then looked in backwards, basically. Ah, um, very yeah. nice. We'll see how it pans out. Okay. Well, I think that's it for this evening. Mm-hmm. I hope you have a great week. Yeah. And as always, let us know what you think or what you want or who you are and uh, what your nickname is. I have no idea. Uh, just get in touch with us. You can uh, reach us on Twitter at Crime by the Bar. Yeah, and you can also email at a, us at crimebythebar at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Do make sure you put a, a message in there because we got one this week that just said hello. And I haven't oh, responded yeah. to it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think I just marked it as red, which I should probably mark as unread so you can also decide what you want to do with it. But... <laughs> I mean, it's still interaction. We appreciate hearing from you. If you just want to say hello, we'll respect that. But we don't expect a reply. (laughs) We are kind of chatty and we do like a good back and forth as well. Yeah. I mean, try to intrigue us with more than just a hello, because I think you might have got us confused with someone else. And I'm not sure who. One thing I did say before was we would give you a shout out if you left a review. 
And as of today, we have, well, as of this week, since our last recording, mm. we have one new review. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So this is a shout out to Cassie Lassie 07 in the oh, US. And she said, I really enjoyed the podcast. Their accents are so much fun to listen to, and they do a great job talking about true crime. I've only listened to a couple of episodes so far, and I haven't heard either of the cases before. Plus, did I mention their accents? Keep it up, folks. I'm going to be so self-conscious about my accent. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Change it? Yeah, I'm good luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Cassie Lassie. We really appreciate your review. If you've left one recently for us and we didn't read it out tonight, it's possible we've missed it if you're not in one of our major popular countries. Mm. Um, so do feel free to hit us up on Twitter and go, hey, what the hell? It's Seriously. Yeah. Or maybe we just recorded this and uh, and you posted it immediately afterwards and we haven't seen it yet. Mm. But uh, yeah, feel free. And um, if we start getting loads of reviews, you're going to have to make yours super interesting for us to read it out. <laughs> I, we'll, we'll still give you a shout out. But, yeah, um, we just won't read the whole thing. actually relaying the message. That's different. But yeah, please do keep the reviews coming in. And if you really can't be bothered reviewing, that's totally fine. Five star rating is just that that will do the trick. So much appreciated. <laughs> and if you have any ideas for upcoming episodes, give us a shout as well. We're always happy to hear. Yeah, true. Mm. Just let us know. Let us know. As usual, we will update the website with our um, latest drinks recipe. And mm. you can find Photos all and bonus stuff. Yeah. Photos, bonus stuff, exciting things. That's www.crimewithabar.com. Um, we're also posting some bonus content on our Patreon this week so anyone can go on there and listen um, but if you want to sign up that's also uh, totally fine by us mm-hmm. we uh, we could do some more gin we ran out of Monkey 47 so you'll be <gasps> yeah. contributing to that yeah. thanks everyone yeah, thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you on Friday see you on Friday, bye bye Luckily, my mom falls asleep towards the end of our episodes, so if if we put a fuck in the end of it, she probably won't know. Oh. I'm really sorry, mom. She hasn't noticed any fucks yet? She has, and she's been offended by them. Oh, oh goodness. Yeah.